Hello and welcome to another episode of the Boopa Healthy Me podcast. Today we're going to be talking about common childhood viruses. I'm Alice Windsor and I'm a specialist health editor at Boopa. I'm also a mother to two young children, Julius who's three and Molly who's six. And I'm joined today by Dr. Samantha Wild who is a Boopa GP. Hi Samantha. Hi. Hi Alice. Hi, thank you for joining me today. Um, I think we'll start off by um, saying that it's very common for children to pick up viruses throughout childhood, as we know. Um, As a parent myself, I know just how easily and how often children can pick up things. Uh, May that range from like a mild cold or to more severe bouts of illness, such as tonsillitis or croup. Um, And some children, I think, are probably more prone to becoming more ill than others. I know my two children are very different in how often they pick up things. Um, or some parents might say that their child has a weakness. They might be, you know, a child that always gets a temperature or always has a cough um, or a runny nose. Um, mm. So I think it would be great to start by talking about why children get so many illnesses, not all of them, but um, why throughout childhood um, it's maybe more common. And is this important for children to help them build a strong immune system? Yes, um, it, it is. So um, in the first few years of life, um, catching viruses is the best way for your child to build a strong and healthy immunity, which will set them up for life then. Uh, babies are born with a very delicate, immature immune system, uh, which is why we recommend breastfeeding because we then pass on natural antibodies in our breast milk. Um, and we also administer vaccines at that age too. But as children are exposed to vaccines and viruses on a day-to-day basis um, in childcare and then at school, um, and these are all spread by coughing, sneezing or, or breathing, as we know from the precautions we've had to take now with COVID. Mm. Um, but this is the way that they build up their immune systems. Um, and so the average school aged child can get sort of three to eight colds a year um, and two to three bouts of viral gastroenteritis. And, and that is completely normal. So mm. although it may seem a lot, um, you know, that's normal. It's also very common for children to get sick from one virus very quickly after recovering from another. So it might seem that they've been sick for for weeks on end. And and as a GP, you often see these children being brought in and parents are worried, but they have actually recovered from one illness and you've not really noticed and they very quickly caught another one again. Mm. But that frequency does drop as they get older and their immune system has then been built up. Definitely. Actually, I can relate to that. My my youngest seemed to in his first couple of years really have you know one thing after another um so it's it's interesting that you say that yeah um, I can remember that about, with my children too <laughs> <laughs> uh, thinking about some of the most common childhood viruses that are out there in the community um you know what what are the most common viruses that that children can bring home and are they things we should be worried about So I think um, top of the list has got to be sort of common colds and coughs, which obviously we all know about. Um, So the common cold, it's it's usually a mild self-limiting viral upper respiratory tract infection. Um, You know, we know it's more frequent in the winter months, um, but the main take home message is that antibiotics are ineffective. It is a virus. um, And so antibiotics do not work for that. So on the whole, you know, Children can be managed quite safely at home, um, keeping them well hydrated, giving them paracetamol if they need it. Um, and it's not unusual for them to sort of lose their appetite a little bit or maybe be a bit more sleepy. But, um, you know, we would always say that, you know, use your um 
parental instinct. So mother, father, if, if you feel that the child is just not right, if they've got a very high fever, if they've got a rash, if they're very sleepy, if they're having difficulty breathing, that is when you need to see a GP. Mm. Um, but a normal cough or cold, then obviously, you know, I think most parents would be happy to manage that at home. Um, you know, it, it's using your common sense, really, and then using that sort of that gut instinct that we must never sort of... Um, Take for granted. uh, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then I think this is where, you know, people have become unstuck in the past. You know, it's such an important instinct that parents have. Mm, Um, And so, yes. Yeah. And I think from from my point of view as well, you know, one of the most worrying things I find when I've I've got a child at home who is sick is that is the temperature. And I've actually, you know, what my youngest did have a febrile seizure at one point from, you know, his temperature just being too high. Um, and I'd done everything right and sort of given them, you know, ibuprofen and paracetamol at the right uh, time periods and it still happened. And I, you know, what advice could you give parents around temperatures at home? Because, you know, for me, I'm, I'm aware of how to manage them, but it's still a worry. And I am that parent that's got the thermometer in their ear quite often. Oh, that's good. That's good. So um, just just to sort of put it into perspective, so a normal temperature in a child is 36.4 degrees. Um, and in, in general, we tend to say a high temperature is over 38, although for a child sort of over 37.5 is, is quite high. Um, and high temperatures are really common and they often clear up themselves without needing any treatment. Um, and the reason your temperature um, does go up is because that's the way that the body fights off infection. Um, so, you know, it, it has an important function. Um, but no, if a child is becoming distressed with that, that is when we say that you should give paracetamol or ibuprofen. Um, you don't need to use them together at the same time, usually sort of use one or the other, but if the child isn't responding to the one, that's when you can use the other one. Um, and so, yeah, it's not just treating the temperature on its own. It's treating the fact that they may be distressed with it too. Yeah. Um, as you said, very good to use a, a digital thermometer to actually ascertain what the temperature is. Yeah. Um, and then really important to give the child plenty of fluids, um, make sure that they're not becoming dehydrated, give them a little bit of food if they want to, um, and then just keep an eye on things. Um, If your child's younger, so sort of um, three months or below, then a a GP um, would want to see them if their temperature was over 38. Um, A child between three and six months, a temperature over 39. But for any other child, just if that temperature is lasting and it's just not settling, um, if they are becoming dehydrated or, again, just using their those parental instincts, if there's any other sort of signs that just don't seem right. Um, so we talk about floppy children. So if children just seem like they've got no energy, if they're not responding to you, um, if they are breathing very quickly, obviously if there's a rash that, um, you know, just doesn't look like a normal rash, all those sorts of, of reasons that you, you should, uh, you know, get some medical advice. Yeah, brilliant. Um, and in terms of that, these sort of, you know, these these things to look for that we really should be seeking medical help about, um, what would your best advice be? Would it be to the first port of call to contact your GP surgery or would you say always go for the 111 number for advice? Um, and then what are those moments where it is always a 999 call? Um, so, I mean, it completely depends what time of day it is. Um, so, you know, if if you're within sort of normal working hours for a GP, try your GP surgery. Obviously, things have been very different at the moment with COVID. So it, it will depend how your GP surgery is, is working at the moment. Um, and sometimes things are being directed still through 111 to start with. If it's out of hours, I would definitely go 111 first. Um, 
and again, it, it's just using those instincts. Um, so, um, you know, if, if, if a child is really struggling to breathe, if, if they, um, you know, can't complete a sentence without stopping for breath, you're going to want to get them seen very quickly. And so, you know, if, if you're, if it's taking time, then it's, it's going to be 999. Um, you know, other things to consider are, are whether you've got transport to get to A&E. Um, yeah. But at the moment, you know, we are being encouraged not to just turn up at GP surgeries at hospitals as well because of COVID. So the advice is very different at the moment than it would normally be. Um, so I think at the moment, yeah, you need to speak to someone and, and 111 is, is going to be the best sort of quickest route to get some advice. Brilliant. Um, I think um, as well, you know, it's just really important, like you say, to look at your child as a whole. And I think as a parent, you know your child better than anyone. So I think that's, that is the best advice, definitely. Exactly. Um, okay. I've got a few questions that I've gathered from, from parents here that I thought we could just pick up on. Um, I've got one here about viral rashes um, and wh- when they come up and post viral rashes. Could you tell me a little bit more about those? Because I think for, as a parent, again, you know, my children have, have often had rashes um, alongside different illnesses and um you know what what we should be looking for in rashes and and what is common and when should we be seeking some medical advice so viral rashes again as you said are really common in young children um and um they are usually caused sort of reddish or, or pink spots over large parts of the body. So often on the chest and the back area. Um, and they're usually not sort of itchy or, although some can be um, Usually, it, it, like I say, it it's sort of covers that big area, but it's also symmetrical as opposed to just one side of the body. Mm-hmm. And you can usually tell that it's come, you know, very quickly after um, or with a viral infection. So they might have a fever, a runny nose or a cough, something else that you can tell, you know, is going on to sort of explain that. Um, so, you know, if a child is is fairly well with it, if, if they've obviously just got a cough or a cold and the rash, then we don't need to see them. Um, when you do need to see a doctor is, is one, if you did want a, a definite diagnosis of, of what it was, mm-hmm. um, but also if the rash was causing them any pain at all. Um, a meningitis rash is obviously something that, you know, we all worry about when we see a rash. Yeah. And um, is the, is and the actually, test still something that we should it, do? It is. It definitely is. But just to say that a meningitis rash appears very late, usually with meningitis. So you can usually tell that your child is very unwell before that rash appears. Okay. So we want to, to see a child before a rash you know, appears there. So, but yes, we use the tumbler test. So, um, for people that don't know, that's if you um, use the bottom of a clear tumbler to gently apply pressure onto a rash and it doesn't then go white or lighten up as you press on it. And it sort of remains quite dark. And so, what the rash that you get in meningitis is, is it's bleeding under the skin. So it's very different to something that, you know, as you press it, it disappears. So that is, you know, definitely a medical emergency and and you should then be calling 999. Um, Another reason you would would call um, a GP if they had a rash again is if your child's very lethargic, if they are getting dehydrated, so they're not sort of feeding. Um, if they have um, a fever, again, that isn't settling, as I said already, um, or if the rash just isn't settling after a few days as well. Okay, brilliant. That's great advice. Um, the next question here um, is about um, a cough, as we all know, with COVID okay. going on. It's all about coughs at the minute. Um, but um, someone has asked, uh, my child has had a cough for a while, a while after suffering a cold. Um, and at what point should you take them to the doctor? So, you know, how long do we keep them at home with this cough before we we seek some advice 
Okay, so again, you know, coughs are really common with colds and, and what happens is the mucus trickles down the back of the throat. Children are not very good at blowing their noses as adults are. So, you know, that that's what stimulates the cough. Um, if they're feeding, drinking, eating, breathing normally, um, you know, the cough is nothing to worry about. Um, so although it can be sort of quite upsetting to hear them cough, you know, that's the body's way of clearing the phlegm away from the chest or, or um, the back of the throat. Um, and so that that's completely normal. If it's been going on for longer than three weeks, so that's when a GP would normally want to see them. Or again, if they had a very high temperature, um, if they're so, you know, if they feel hot and shivery, um, if they've got any difficulty with their breathing with it, again, if they can't talk in sentences, we would want to see them to make sure that it's not a chest infection. Um, and also we'd want to see them if it carried on sort of you know, for, as I say, longer than the three weeks, if it's worse at night, if it's brought on by sort of running around exertion, that could be a sign of asthma. So again, we would want to see them then. So it's if it's lingering and if it seems to be associated with any other symptoms, we would want to review them. Brilliant. Um, and I think from from my personal experience, and it's not quite a question, but it's more of a topic of conversation. My youngest has had recurring croup since he was very little. Um, we've had a few trips to A&E. Um, and it's amazing how many people, especially maybe of an older generation, like my parents, you know, would say, you know, get the steam going in the shower. Um, and, and if he's got, you know, if he's tight in the chest and it's sort of that croup cough to, to use steam, when actually yeah, the guidance has changed. Recommend that, that. No, yeah, and it's no. like, and, and yeah, so you will still find that some doctors will sort of um, recommend mm. that as well because they might not be sort of up to date. They, they used to think that the steam would loosen the mucus um, and make it easier to breathe, but there is very little evidence yes. that it does do any good. Yeah. And I think some children are actually being scolded by the oh, steam. Wow. So actually, you know, we've stopped recommending that now. The key with yeah. poop is to just keep children as calm as possible. So not to panic, to keep them sat upright on your lap, as I'm sure you've probably yeah. found out then if you've been through this a yeah. few times. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, a, a GP or, or um, hospital doctor, if they've ended up in hospital, will usually give a, a single dose of steroid medication if yeah. they need it. And then that's, that's very effective, really works. isn't it? Yeah. Brilliant. yeah. Um, okay. I've got a question here. Um, it's sort of related to the, well, it is related to the pandemic. Uh, should we be worried about the fact that children haven't been picking up the usual childhood infections this winter so my son had chickenpox, hand foot and mouth and a host of other infections in his first year of school but given covid precautions my daughter hasn't had any of these since starting reception should i be worried i think that's a really interesting question and i think um time will probably tell with that um i think at the moment as it's only been a year and you know we don't necessarily get all those illnesses and build up all the immunity in that year um, then, you know, it's unlikely to be an issue. And, and as children start to mix again in schools, then they're going to sort of, we'll see that things start to, to spread again. Also, as I said before, as, as children get older, their immune system is becoming more mature anyway. So it might be that they can fight off some of these illnesses themselves. Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting. Thing, but I think, you know, within the school environment and especially younger age children, obviously it's very difficult for um, teachers to ensure that there is any social distancing. Um, you know, masks aren't necessarily warning in children of that yeah. age so I think yeah it'll start to spread as, as it always has done right um and I think as well it'd be actually really good to talk about um the flu vaccine I've, I've got a question here and it's it says what is the effect of the flu vaccination on my child's long-term immunity okay so um 
obviously we have the flu um, vaccine every year and you know we're waiting to see really what's going to be happening with the covid vaccine because it looks like that's going to need to be you know fairly frequent as well so the reason that we have the flu vaccine every year is because um, our immune protection that we're given from the vaccination declines with time um, and also because the flu virus is constantly changing and again we've never talked about this with covid and the different variants that appear so what they have to do is um, you know from the research try and predict what might what virus might be coming up next that needs to be protected. So that is why we are given the vaccination on a yearly basis. Um, as you know, the flu vaccine has been around for years. It's very safe. It's very effective. Um, and so, you know, we would carry on having that sort of yearly um, in conjunction with, with COVID vaccination as whatever they decide time interval it, it needs to be. Right. And I think as well, we, you know, we probably no one knows the answer to this at the moment, but do you think that the um, coronavirus vaccine is going to, you know, come down to children at some point this year or next year? Um, obviously, it's still a question I, mark. Yes, I think it. Yeah, I think it definitely will. I was speaking to um, a professor from um, London who was saying that he thought probably children over the age of 12, maybe to start with. Um, but yes, I think, you know, there's been a lot of talk about herd immunity. And obviously, if if we can get sort of that amongst children, and, and we know that children don't really tend to suffer with it, um, but unfortunately, they do spread it, then it, it would seem to make sense, I think. Um, but I'm definitely not an expert in this area. So I will leave that to <laughs> the experts to decide. And that's great, Sam. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, we've covered some really brilliant questions today. Um, it's such a, a vast topic area when children can get so many illnesses and viruses when they're young. Um, but I think, you know, we've just touched on the surface today about how parents can deal with it and, you know, really when to go and see a doctor and when to ask for help. I think that's a really important thing, um, you know, when to seek that medical advice. Um, and, you know, we've got so much information on our Boopa website about, you know, different childhood illnesses, um, which is a great place for people to go if they need to. Um, but we'll leave that for today. Um, so yeah, thank you uh, for joining. Thank you.